Christmas, everybody, and welcome to Cinema Snorkel. I'm your host, Carlin Leander, and this is my co-host, Casey Leander. Here we are. Wow. And we're here today to bring you our very first ever Christmas episode. episode. It's so Christmassy, it is. It's going to be very Christmassy. Michael Caine likes a good Christmas. Here are my co-hosts, Ebenezer Scrooge himself, Michael Caine. You know, I once met a man who did a Christmas episode of his podcast. I said, why do you do a Christmas episode? (laughs) They said, it's not why we don't, but why we did. (laughs) Is that why? Did that sound wise enough? It sounds so wise. (laughs) Yeah, he always has a wise nugget. Michael Caine, Ebenezer Scrooge, will you give me some sage Christmas advice? I'm as happy as a feather. (laughs) I'm as light (laughs) as a schoolboy. Young lad, what, what day is today? Bean Bunny goes, it's me, it's Christmas Eve, sir. Look, we could be doing the Muppet Christmas Carol, but we're not. We're doing- In an <laughs> alternate universe where we hit a home run, we would be doing <laughs> the Muppet Christmas Carol. But instead, we're going to do another uh, Christmas Carol movie. Indeed, <laughs> we are. I love that they made fun of themselves. There's that line where Jacob says, and all the other Christmas Carol adaptations nobody asked for. Carlin, what movie are we doing today? Because I don't think we've said so far. It's called Spirited, starring the Christmas icon. On Will Smith. Not Will Smith. (laughs) (laughs) That's a different movie. You know me and names. I don't do names. That's rough. Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds star in Spirited, a 2022 Christmas original on Apple TV. I'm your ghost of Christmas present. La 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 la. I'm not watching your dramatic re-encrapment. Hey, I'm haunting you. You can't just run away from me when I'm haunting you. Hello? believe he can be a positive force for mankind. <laughs> Clint. <laughs> Clint. <laughs> yeah. Do you Photoshop yourself into these pictures of my executive VP? I don't think so. Oh, you want that. What I want is for you to shut up and let me do my job. Is there a ghost of Christmas, Grumpy? Because you could do that job. So we are branching straight into the Never appeared in theaters, just showing up on your streaming service world. Welcome to the strange world of cinema nowadays. It's like we don't know what to expect. Some of the biggest blockbusters aren't even going to theaters right now. It's crazy. Or they're going to theaters for a weekend and then disappearing. (coughs) Glass Onion. (coughs) What? Yeah, weird. Well, but Carlin, I uh, personally am really excited for this episode because we stumbled upon this right around Thanksgiving when it came Mm -hmm. out. You were actually visiting us and we watched this in person together. That is rare. On the day of Thanksgiving, the night of the day of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving Eve. Thanksgiving Eve, as some would call it. Carlin, why don't you break it down with a brief (laughs) plot (laughs) summary? Yeah, you can trust me with that. Um, Spirited is... The Christmas Carol reimagined through the lens of a high production version of the ghosts of the ghosts. You're, you're you really, you're hanging in there. Nope, it's the, go- nope, that, I stand by it. <laughs> they, it's the ghosts, it's from their perspective. You know, we're getting behind the scenes look at this like facility, you know, in Neverwhere or wherever they are. And they do all this production work. Like it feels like they're shooting a movie or something. And then each Christmas they have a target who is the new Scrooge stand in and they change their life Boom. for the better. And they call him the perp. <laughs> they're scouting a the perp. perp. Oh, oh, you're, it's hilarious. It's very clever. It felt really fresh to me. I mean, there's so many Christmas Carol movies. It's kind of like, please, can we just do something else? But um, I actually felt like this was way different than... than any other that I'd seen before. And it felt really kind of fun and, and, and fresh and different. Absolutely. Especially because this year, the, the casting crew behind every yearly haunt encounters someone who is brutally difficult. Ryan Reynolds, who runs a PR firm set to discredit people and spread misinformation and troll people online. And it's hilarious. Are you resummering my story? No, I'm adding... <laughs> I'm adding vital information that you you, you left out. me with the summary. I, I didn't want to make a big wave about it, but I, you left out the vital second part of the plot, like the co-star, Ryan Reynolds. Well, people are going to have seen this movie, right? You guys have sometimes, seen it, right? Sometimes not. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not a wizard. I don't know what people have seen and what they haven't seen, so I'm helping them with information. Okay. How about this? If you haven't 
seen it and you really needed to hear Casey's summary, just go watch the movie and then come back and listen to this. Better episode. yet, message us and say Casey's summary was more helpful than Carlin's. No one's going to say that because nobody believes it. Carlin, what did you like <laughs> about Spirited? Talk to me. <laughs> Let's evaluate its aesthetic choices, okay. how the movie felt, the overall, the vibes, you could say. What, 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 what did we like? What did we the like? The Christmassy vibes. Well, I am a sucker for good musical theater, and this was that. Um, and it was so fun because when we were watching it, Hannah, your wifey, said, um, this, this has got to be the same choreographer as Greatest Showman. And as soon as she said that, we looked it up and she was dead right. And for the rest of the movie, I couldn't unsee it. And uh, I love that choreography and I love that choreographer. And you could tell they just, they put a lot of work into it. Um, it wasn't kind of like a, oh, I was just going to take a pot shot at La La Land, which I love La La Land. But you can just tell the dancing isn't nearly as high caliber as what is the stuff they were doing in this movie. So felt like La La Land wanted to evoke the Hollywood stardom of Days Gone By without actually like going full blown mm -hmm. like this is a musical. That's exactly, that's a good way of putting it. It was evocative of it, which was an aesthetic choice, I'm sure. It didn't have the, the meat of good musical theater, which is actually amazing numbers and costumes. And Yeah, and this choreography was insane. I mean, the tap dancing was a key feature throughout. And like The Greatest Showman, they kind of have like some simple melodies with like really cool uh, rhythms behind them. Like stomp rhythms in the background. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, that's what I notice about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, like they're dancing on the desks for uh, that Ripple song. That's amazing. That's been stuck in my head since I rewatched it. I liked their tap dance in Good Afternoon, <laughs> the song where they're in Victorian England. And <laughs> Good Afternoon. I got real like Dick Van Dyke vibes a little bit with just some of the dancing. And they're like doing a little dance like back yeah. and forth. That's so nostalgic to me in a way that I didn't even know I needed. They were pulling on some deeply embedded right. cultural memes of our growing up years, probably more than we are even cognizant of. Absolutely. Yeah. I also uh, liked, there's one song where they put the lights on their wrists of the, the dancers, the background yeah, dancers. Yeah, the flashlight dance. That's amazing. That's so simple, but it's just cool. It's like fresh and innovative. It just keeps you tuned in the whole time. The other thing, Carlin, is that this movie is really funny. It's yeah. genuinely so funny. Like, yeah. were, were there some funny moments that stuck out to you? Because I, I have kind of a list, but we don't need to go yeah. through, obviously, the whole list. You should just watch the movie. Well, say your list. Go ahead and say your list. And we'll all, even though we've all seen the movie, you say your list and we'll laugh with you. It's, you know... We just want to remind people of this movie. You know, that does whatever. <laughs> Why don't you pick your top favorite funny moment? And oh, I, okay. I'm going to pick three. The first one that made me laugh was when they're in the hall of redeemed souls and they're scanning and they don't say anything about it, but there's Dolly Parton up there. Like they're taking credit for Dolly Parton. Right. Cause who's Dolly like Parton is beloved. Like she's a national saint. treasure. She's a modern yeah. saint. <laughs> <laughs> so they're just going to put that in there. That was hilarious. I loved when Will Ferrell passes a guy dressed like Elf at a Christmas party. Oh, yeah, that was And good. he's just like, you look stupid. That guy looks stupid. <laughs> and Ryan Reynolds like, oh, no, no. That, that's right. Okay, this one come this way. This is funny. And then I liked when the taxi driver was like, hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. And then Will Ferrell was like, you want to go? And he like pulls him out of the taxi. Hilarious. And I'm going to say one more. I'm going to okay. say one more. He goes in to see the ghost of Christmas present, who's Will Ferrell, who's like back on script now. They've had kind of this deviation from the way it's supposed to go but then he comes back and Will Ferrell's like trying to be like on script and Ryan Reynolds is like all right fine I'm just gonna go back down to my party have fun on your giant toilet of food <laughs> yeah and then watching him try to scramble down it uh, when he's trying to chase he steps in a pie <laughs> so when he steps in a pie I actually paused it because I <laughs> I was laughing I don't know why that's so funny yeah <sighs> Can we talk about the good morning so thing? Because that was a clever way of, of getting their point across. Good but, afternoon. Yeah. What did I say? You, you said know, good words morning. are interchangeable. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I couldn't disagree <laughs> Time more. is non, non-material to me, so I say good morning <laughs> at all hours of the day and deal with it. Uh, By saying, exchanging, you know, an expletive for saying good afternoon, they were able to do a whole song and dance about it with keeping the cussing to a minimum. Although on re-watching, I just, there, there's actually a lot of language and a lot of crude um, humor sewed throughout. This one was just raunchy, and it's honestly such a shame because I would love, I think our mom and our grandma would love this, Mm -hmm. but we're never going to show it to them, (laughs) unfortunately. You know, it's It's like- It's just one too many, uh, or a few too many times they they snuck in something that just was pushing the envelope, and it's Ryan Reynolds' brand of humor, which we've talked about before on the show, but like- yeah, it's like in the spirit of what they're doing, like it can't be too wholesome. They have to like litter it with dirty jokes just uh I don't know, like have it appeal to modern audiences, I guess. For my for my taste, it was way, way overboard on some of that and it's a shame. It is a shame. You know, and it, it's meant to be family entertainment. I would say whatever else spirit it is, it's most definitely not family entertainment. I mean, your kids are little sponges. They will listen to everything said and they mm-hmm. will repeat it. So if you're cool with that, then by all means, let your kids watch Spirited. But all I wanted to say is it's a shame because this movie is incredible. Hilarious. Um, enough about that, Carlin. Let's move to our second question, which is what are the filmmakers trying to say? What are the main questions and tensions they're wrestling with? And how do they resolve it? I felt like this movie was actually hitting some heavy hitters. I felt like they were grappling with some big things, like can people actually change, being kind of the main one. Is an unredeemable, quote unquote, someone who has unredeemable stamped on their file, can they actually change? And that's uh, Will Ferrell's big question. His internal struggle is if he, spoiler everyone, he used to be the real Ebenezer Scrooge, but he didn't get long long enough life to prove whether or not he had changed. He died right. like three weeks afterwards. So his big question, am I actually changed? Um, and then the same question for Ryan Reynolds, who is, is just genuinely a terrible person. And at the end, they kind of do a psych out where they're like, has he changed? Right. And then there's a whole half a movie after that. Right. <laughs> it feels like. Right. <laughs> that was the main theme that I was thinking about. Yeah, I just think that is... Definitely, without a doubt, the theme that they're wrestling with. And the very first line of the whole thing just says it. Do people really change real, lasting, positive change? That's the opening line. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, that's the opening line. All right. Well, thanks for listening to Cinema Snorkel. We'll see you guys next week. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to wrap this one. And this was a great episode, Carr. Nice job. No, um, but I was going to say, for for all that, for telegraphing their theme, Mm. it doesn't hit you smack in the face they actually deal with the complexity of it sure yeah so i was wondering carlin maybe we could just walk through first of all ryan reynolds character Mm -hmm. then we could walk through will ferrell's character because that's kind of the twist too you think they're going to go after ryan reynolds the worst perp there ever was you know then all of a sudden it's like whoa okay we're delving into will ferrell's life here and then i'd love to talk about kind of that that last little twist where you think the movie's resolved and then they're actually they take they take it in a different direction slightly. Mm-hmm. But anyway, does, is that a good structure? Yeah, that's a good three-point structure. I like it. So, Carlin, what was Ryan Reynolds' character development? Walk me through his character and, and what right. happened. Right, because he starts out basically just a professional troll. troll. He's, like, spreading misinformation and starting culture wars over totally silly things. On one hand, I think they were trying to play that like politically neutral. <laughs> On the other hand, I felt a little bit attacked for my traditional values. Yeah. In fact, I was offended and I turned over <laughs> on my living room table. I w- <laughs> and I started just pounding it. I was like hitting the table. I was angry that they would do that. Yeah, it was a clever song. And basically, the he, he we understand he's a terrible person because he has no qualms about getting other people to do terrible things to each other, which is like the worst of the worst, is 
calling out the badness in people, which is kind of the reverse of the ripple effect concept where their goal is if we change the right person's life, they're going to have a ripple effect and help other people. And we're going to maximize the amount of good that's done in the world. Right. And so for someone who is literally living the opposite of that Christmas present sees him changes the plan because up till that point they were planning to Christmas Carol, some other terrible person. But then he kind of has a personal agenda about this. And that I wasn't really surprised that the movie ended up being more about Christmas present because from the beginning, he was starting to rewrite. They had been planning to do this hotel manager and then he scrambles it on them at the last minute and pushes really hard yeah. um, to change their perp to Clint. Yeah. And, I, you know, I really feel like Clint's character embodies the hopelessness of cynicism. Hmm. So, like, well, Will Ferrell's character, Ghost of Christmas Present slash Scrooge, uh, and I know we'll get to him, but he, in my mind, is kind of like a legalism. Yeah. Like, he's trying so hard to erase the bad things he's done by just working his butt Mm -hmm. off. And again, we'll get to him. But Ryan Reynolds is like this the ultimate spirit of mm. cynicism. They're like, this is doable. Come on. Like like when Will Ferrell's reading from his file, he's like, listen, the only reason he's marked unredeemable is because of his persistent belief that people are incapable <laughs> of change. He's like self-aware and dead set against everything they're yeah. trying to do. And that's why it's hilarious to watch Will Ferrell's sort of cherub, rosy-faced kind of attempts yeah. at goodness just get absolutely shanghaied by (laughs) Ryan Reynolds because he's like in on it. He knows exactly what's happening and he's sabotaging it the whole time because his starting belief are that people are one, lazy, and they're two, desperate to feel good and smart and right. Yeah. And so he's like, feed that hate because hate is strong. Ooh, yeah. And Will Ferrell's like, he's the perfect combination of Mussolini and Seacrest. That was hilarious. So good. Um, So yeah, Ryan Reynolds is cynic. He's a cynic. He knows what they're trying to do. And he's like, this ain't going to work. And in fact, throughout the film, correct me if I'm wrong, but he kind of, he knows he's a bad guy and he kind of embraces it. But his justification is that I'm just like everyone else. Yes. Everyone has really got that badness in them. Even his sweet little niece, Ren, who doesn't want to play dirty in in her election right. battle against this other cute little guy. Josh. But he's like, you know what? This is how the game is played. And he convinces her to play dirty, even though she's tottering on the precipice of like being honorable and noble. I know. And then he just like just corrupts her. Yeah. This horrible person. Or tries to. Man, man, you hate him. You really hate him. <laughs> he's a turd. He's a turd in a suit. <laughs> yeah. His right. His justification is everybody's like this come on get real everyone's like this it's so it's fine at the end of the day i'm not worse than anyone else that's his real i think deep inner belief so then my question carlin is how does ryan reynolds actually change because all their initial attempts fail right like their program they're like step-by-step uh christmas caroling program just absolutely goes awry in every way it just is an absolute failure well and he even calls out uh christmas present where he's like you know you're trying to sell this as if it's my dream to my longing to have like the white picket fence in the family of four but uh this is actually your dream it starts as a tactic but what i like about ryan reynolds character transformation is maybe we're answering this question i feel like the first moment of real humanity uh-huh. we see from ryan reynolds is when they're in the Victorian pub drinking yeah. warm, <laughs> this nasty is man beer. Piss. And he's like, he's he's doing what he's been doing to Will Ferrell, which is just poke him and rib him. And it's hilarious. But then he says, how long did you live after you changed? And um, Will Ferrell's like, three? And Ryan's like, years. Nope. <laughs> it's weeks. Ebenezer Scrooge lived three weeks after his glorious heart change. And Clint is like savage about that. He's like, are you kidding me? You, how can you even know? Anyone can fake it for three weeks. You're such a fraud. And Oh, just hitting him right where it hurts. And you see a little bit of tenderness all of a sudden or just like you can tell that actually hurt. And he looks over Clint's shoulder and sees his former self. And then Ryan Reynolds actually changes the subject to good afternoon because he realizes actually he's done something that's actually painful. Mm. That, to me, is the first little bit of real humanity we see and real vulnerability. Changing the subject, how does that, how is that a humane thing to do? Well, he he moves it away from Mm. a painful topic. 
that he feels like is devastating to Scrooge and onto like, hey, it's okay to be a little bit bad. Yeah. Is kind of his way of trying to help. He's and at that point, that philosophy might be misguided, but he's actually trying to help. Right. Will this Ferrell. is his his first kind of attempt to be somewhat nice. There it's kind of the first time they're buddies versus straight antagonists. Yeah. Yeah. They become bros. Bros. Yeah, that was that was sweet too. So Ryan Reynolds, that's the first moment. Then what happens from there? Well, I think when he really that is like the chink in the armor. He then starts to realize like okay, this isn't just a program. Like this is actually Scrooge's real life. And I care about this guy. And he also starts to realize he's in it for me because he needs to believe I can change, right? They have lots of dialogue to that effect. And actually, despite all of the corniness of it, it's not the program. It's the relationship that start to bring his walls down. Mm. And then I think there are two things that uh, the movie shows us are the real like, okay, now he's been pushed over the edge towards some kind of change, right? First, uh, Ren, his niece, posts that awful thing about Josh where he's like, homeless yeah. people, yuck. Oh. You know, <laughs> like ruins his... Compared to what's really going on on the internet these days, that's like so tame. But I know, but... You but get the point. You're like, no, Josh, no, because he's so wholesome, yeah. He's like, I don't want to post it, Dad. I don't know. I don't want people to think I'm just doing this. I don't want it just to be a vote getter. <laughs> no, Josh. And then he, um, round two of this scene, he actually does relive that scene with his sister who says, when I'm gone, I want you to right. take Ren. Uh, he goes, no, no, no. I'm, that's not going to work. I'm selfish. And she says, Clint, you mm. don't fool me. Like, she still believes in him, that he's a good guy at heart. And then he says, that's where you're wrong about me. And he walks away, essentially. And he fiercely guards that scene. Like, he does not want to... He's kind of, like, playing around, like, ha-ha, this is hilarious, what you think is going to work on me. But when Christmas Present hits him with that that scene, he is really doesn't want to go there. And that gives us an insight that for Clint, that really is the most painful moment of his life that he rejected his sister's belief, her dying wish and her belief that he could actually change and be a, a good person. And he, oh, it's so yeah. painful for him. So that's Ryan Reynolds. Like that's like 70% of his character journey, right? He's like brought to that place. But mm-hmm. what about, what about Scrooge? What about Ebenezer AKA Scrooge. the ghost of Chris, Christmas present, AKA Will Ferrell. Will Smith. <laughs> what's will ferrell's character development in this carl how yeah. is he struggling with the question of real lasting i change? think you were dead on when you said legalism even in the lyrics of the song in that first one he's singing about should i retire take my retirement and go and see if i actually have any if i've actually been redeemed or have i not done enough maybe i need to work harder and i need to keep making that ripple again and again and they kind of tease him with the one helper elf secretary who's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. um isn't it she's like making fun of how he hasn't retired yet and he's been doing this forever and they're all kind of waiting for him to retire um mm. so he is kind of in this loop where he's stuck needing to prove himself and there's one true way to prove it he can retire go back to earth and see what happens or he can keep doing this kind of fake version where he just is the the ghost of Christmas present and he does a really good job and he does it year after year and he causes the most amount of good and change. And that feels like a futile effort for him to try to prove that he's changed. But somehow yeah. it's just not enough. He still has this doubt in, in his heart. Yeah. So that's where we meet him. And then we've already established that for him to really believe that an unredeemable can be changed because spoiler he's the the one unredeemable that supposedly has been changed right but he needs to know that it can happen again in order to feel like he actually has been redeemed and that crux moment when ryan reynolds walks away from his sister ends up being Hmm. the exact moment that um will ferrell then is forced to deal with his haunting question right because remember Hmm. jacob marley shows up and he's like okay this has gone off the rails for the last time back to bed and he goes whoosh but then it's like no and uh you know scrooge grabs clint's arm and they like stay in that scene right and then it gets it's all dark all of a sudden because the scenery's been washed away and Hmm. 
Now suddenly we're dealing with the ghost of Christmas presence, unresolved tension. And he yeah. and and Clint is like, you've never actually answered that one question, have you? And Marley's like, what question? And then the music comes up, which is hilarious because Jacob Marley like hates all the songs. He's like, stop, 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 stop. But then the music comes up and he's like, am I forever irredeemable? And oh, then they do the flashlight. I just hear you say it. Yeah. I know, well, I know yeah. right? It's tender. It gets you in the yeah. feels. And and that plays into exactly uh, Clint's belief that nobody can change. And if he persists in believing that, then he can't agree that Christmas present, his bro, can change too. And all of a sudden, they've switched roles. So in his mm. own way, Clint is actually trying to redeem Will Ferrell. And he yep. needs to believe that Will Ferrell almost can change. That's so touching. <laughs> Call me crazy, but that's just really good uh, plot. They've just written an amazing plot there, actually. And they've played with the characters enough to where, wow, they've really teased out some some moving stuff out of a really silly, really irreverent thing. But it's like the heartbeat you find out is not irreverent. They actually care about the answer. And so Clint does. Clint cares about the answer to that question. So they're at this place of real, they're like on the precipice of change. Will Ferrell decides to take his retirement right then and there and find out if he can mm-hmm. do it. And and actually, I was going to point out this. The real litmus test for the ghost of Christmas present is if Kimberly can fall for him, this wonderful, kind-hearted woman who somehow works for Ryan Reynolds, if, she, if he yeah. can get her to believe in him, like if she thinks he's all right, then it's really mm. a sign that he actually has changed. And that's why there's such a, a magnetic draw to go and be with her, right? So, so that's like the right. the test that they're using to see if if he's actually okay, if he's changed. Which do you think that's a good test? Because she seems to pretty much dig him from the beginning. Well, I think that's because she's a kind-hearted person, mm. and I think it's wholesome. And yeah, I, I, like I don't, I didn't find that. Um, yeah, I was fine with that, honestly. Can we take a little break to talk about? her character a little bit more totally yes please so Kimberly yeah why does she work for Ryan Reynolds <laughs> but it kind of gives you her backstory <laughs> yeah and here's what I like about it because the line dividing the good and the bad um well it's Alexander Solzhenitsyn who said yes if only we could separate this is a loose paraphrase if only we could se- separate all the good people to one side and the bad people to another and we could do away with the bad people and then society would be better. But right. he says, the line dividing good and evil runs through the heart of every person. Meaning, even people who we like and seem to be like th- the good people have opportunities where they can choose to do the wrong thing. And we get a little window into her struggle about is she going to keep doing the self-serving thing and climbing the ladder of success and this feels like it could be a good option because her you know her family was like working family and she's surpassed their expectations she's like doing really good for herself but what does it cost her um yeah it costs her yeah her conscience and there comes a moment where she's almost going to do the right thing and then she chickens out and i just think that that felt really relatable to me right yeah, I think that's so good. Yeah. And you also love how her character resolves at the very end. Mm. They actually fail to stop Ren from posting the thing, but yeah. Kimberly does the right yeah. thing. She changes and steps up to the plate, quits, and keeps this niece from posting that terrible What what yeah, what thing. causes her to change? I think as a side character, it's not fully fleshed out. I think she just probably her conscience gets to her, right? Yeah. I mean I guess they is that fair really. to say? And yeah. We know we know why she wanted to do the right thing in the first place, and maybe it just took a little time, and then she stepped up to the plate and right in time. Yay, goodness! You could make an argument that it was Will Ferrell believing in her that caused her to change. Oh, that's true. But <laughs> I don't think they sell me on that totally. Like it's a little suspension of disbelief. Like he is such a dork, you know. You're like, is she really? Would she really be so into this? But you're like, whatever. Yeah. It, it's like, they're allowed to be corny like that because it's in the spirit of the thing. The you know what I mean? Christmas. The spirit of Christmas. Michael Kagan says, it's the spirit of Christmas. Let it, Hey, hit us up in the comments. Is that a great, <laughs> is that a good Michael Caine impression or a great Michael Caine impression? Yeah. Let us know. Comment, like, and comment below and subscribe. Like and comment and subscribe. So Garland, so after they've set up all these characters and brought them to 
the brink of change. Mm. There's a plot twist. It's not over yet. In the words and this of is Lola, kind of- wiki wiki what? <laughs> I didn't know Lola coined that. Oh yeah, that's a Lolaism all the way. Our sister Lola coining things left and right. So the ghost of Christmas present nails his date night with Kimberly, but he gets in the taxi and he's so anxious. And again, when we're talking about what's really relatable, that is really relatable. Really? Well, yeah, he nails it, but he still feels nervous and anxious Mm. because it's gone so well that he's afraid to blow it. Is that a guy thing? Because I don't know if I've ever felt <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe you're just like so confident yeah, on just, the dating just, scene. Or maybe I'm not aware enough to, to realize that I could blow it. <laughs> well, fully, uh, like even dating Hannah or, or even like when you do something really well or when I've done something that I'm proud of, actually, often after I'll be like, I'm like, when are they going to find out that I'm actually a fraud? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like and doing well. Syndrome. Yeah, doing well and having people be like, hey, great job, actually adds to the imposter syndrome. It doesn't actually resolve the inner tension, I feel. Mm. It just makes me go, oh, wait till they really find out, you know. Yeah, which, What man, I'm really like. That's that's the theme for present the whole time, right? No matter how yeah. many souls he redeems, he's never going to... He can have all the... He could save Dolly Parton and he still will not know until yeah, he... Yeah, and Colonel Sanders, apparently. He doesn't say he saved Colonel Sanders. Sorry, I just noticed that. He says he talked to, he's like, yeah, I talked to Colonel Sanders. <laughs> they don't say he got redeemed. I don't know why they hate for the old Colonel, but whatever. So what does it take for him to get to the bottom of that imposter syndrome? Yeah, well, at this point, his world is tied in with Clint's story. And that's why mm-hmm. they are bros and their stories do matter to each other. So like right at the moment of the twist they're like waiting for the big musical finale and he's like no 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 i didn't change listen mm. i i know i didn't change right. i took back one move one bad move what i'm gonna do is go back mm-hmm. to work and keep doing what i do i'm gonna rationalize it i'm gonna feel bad for a little bit but i'm really good at this i'm not, i haven't changed i just took back one mistake and then think about this the ghost of Christmas present goes and tries to stand in front of a bus to go back to his previous life and reset the game to where it was. In other words, oh. they both try to go back to their old ways. Oh, dang. Yeah. And that's the twist. They haven't changed overnight. The silver bullet moment that Will Ferrell is like expecting and he's like, oh, I wish you guys could see it, you know, and Owen's like, oh, right. yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> They're <laughs> waiting for the big moment of change and it doesn't come and they both have sort of a mini relapse a little bit. Until. Oh. Yeah, until Ryan Reynolds steps in front of the bus, hmm. pushes Will Ferrell out of the way, and yeah. stops him from relapsing. Actually dies. Well, yeah. But before he gets hit by the bus, time stops because he's really fully Right, changed. so they have their little outside-of-time moment for a musical number. Yeah, which yes. is amazing. That musical number was you great. You got to do a little good. Is so much fun. Got but but I think Carlin. Since we can't have the real <laughs> soundtrack in our podcast, we could sing it. Well, we could. Hey, maybe we'll just ad lib. Maybe that'll be our closer. <laughs> Stay tuned, folks. Um, I think with that moment, Carlin, they're answering one of the film's other questions, which is how does change take place? Hmm. First, they're like, is change possible? And we're starting to think, yeah, it it might be. But then their real other question is, okay, well, how? Mm. And this is, I think, what the movie's trying to show us is that, or or what what the filmmakers are trying to say is that it doesn't really happen overnight. Mm. And the reason I know that is because that's literally what they sing in that finale song. They say, maybe there's no magic wand. Maybe there's no switch to flip. Maybe you have to do the work. Dang. And that's where they land. That's how they resolve it. Um... And that, because the Christmas Carol literally is the story of how a horrible person transformed into a wonderful person overnight. In one night, right? And to a a reader of that beloved story, and nothing against Charles Dickens, I love that book, I read it every year, but it could leave you wondering, okay, could someone that bad really change overnight? And this movie kind of answers it. Explores that question. It explores the question, because it's a very, very, very valid question. Yeah. Again, no disrespect to Christmas Carol, I'm with you because it's a vignette. It's one story and it's a timeless story. I mean, and we resonate with it because I think in our hearts, we know that change is possible or should be possible. Mm. But other times 
it's not quite that clear. So I think the, a Christmas Carol is saying something true without going beyond it, the boundaries of what it set out to do. But there are still a lot of complexities and questions to explore in life. And I appreciate that they took that seriously enough to to really flesh those out in a, a, an amazing movie. So to answer our, our golden question, I would say what this movie is trying to say is that change is possible, but it takes time. And change mostly happens in the context of relationships. Yeah. Because it's their friendship together that actually affects the most change. And it's the same for almost every character. It's like somehow there's an aspect of community in transformation. Yeah, I think that's right on, Carlin. And I also think that transitions us to our third question, which is, what does a Christian worldview have to say about this stuff? Do you feel a song coming on? If you do a little good, <laughs> it's a third question on a cinema snorkel. So, Casey... What do you think a Christian worldview has to say about can people change? Yeah, I I think that's such a good question. And I think there are things that our worldview is going to disagree with this movie. Like there are a couple, like does a Christian worldview synchronize with spirited, you know? Yeah. I think there no. are a few ways where we're going to say no. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the uh, like cussing, whatever, the kind of loose sexual ethics. I mean, that's really reflecting our culture's view like there are good things and bad things but whatever uh you do sexually is not one of them like so it's kind of exempt it doesn't matter right and yeah i will note they couldn't help themselves and I'm, i was really glad for this it wasn't just a hookup with the ghost of christmas past well, they show end up a, being that <laughs> well yeah they it was yeah, at the beginning right. yeah it was but they but at the end they almost can't help showing a loving committed relationship interesting yeah um but whatever we're not here i don't think that was like the main thing that they're trying to show us so but maybe we are... intrinsically kind of believe that what's more honorable and what's a, a better standard is to have commitment in relationship versus just casual casual meaningless sex yeah, yeah fully i think anyone who's being honest with themselves probably believes that in their heart of hearts and mm -hmm. i think so i think it is it's heartwarming to see that that wasn't just like a moment, that there's actual love and care, right? Yeah. So we can't get away from that. But, uh, and also you can, you can sort of sense, again, I was grateful for how like um, middle of the political road this thing was in an mm -hmm. age where very, very few things on either side are, are trying to be that. Yeah. It's like Top Gun. <laughs> I know. I thought of Top Gun Santa Claus and yeah. this movie. That's all we got. I mean, those are the threads holding America together right now. Come on, baby. Come on. Uh, but um, so, but for all that, you could also sense one or two digs at, you know, evangelical Christians, like the conflating of selling Christmas trees with, we, I wouldn't expect people who aren't Christians to put the virgin birth in the same category or in a different category than selling trees. Like if you're not a Christian, of course, those seem like the same thing to you. Nostalgia for nostalgia's sake, sort of blind faith. Like it makes us feel good. That kind of, that's, that's the box they put religion in. Mm -hmm. And you could also see it. Maybe I wondered reflected a little bit in their portrayal of Jacob Marley, hmm. almost like he is, I wondered this. I don't think this is hard and fast, but in a way he represents God. Hmm. He's kind of running the show, ultimately. Mm -hmm. He's stodgy, a little bit hypocritical, pretty heavy-handed, unflexible. Has to play by the rules. Exactly. Well, and even if they're not intentionally going like, wait, we could make this character kind of <laughs> act like... It kind of... it. There's a, like a trope, if you will, like yeah. a god trope. That's the totally. slot that he fills, it, which is like the supreme authority, but also kind of inflexible and yeah not messing pleasant. with people's hearts behind the scenes while he himself does nothing to be real or humane like he kind of gives up his original song which yeah. is hilarious I, they did that for laughs but you're like huh i do think maybe yeah. implicitly that does reflect a lot of our beliefs about god all that to say so i and i wanted to disclaimer those things because i think they're real and i think it's worth like parsing mm -hmm. them out and examining okay here's some differences right but all that to say i think carlin the heart of this movie where they landed fully aligns with a christian worldview of of heart change i think it pulls on mm -hmm. very real aspects of reality 
that um, hmm. that the Christian worldview 100% affirms. And I kind of have a list. Oh. I don't know if you noticed any of these, but can I just go through go my for list? It. You're, you're the king of the lists, aren't you? Are you Santa? <gasps> what? No. <laughs> but I'm saying, have you ever seen me and Santa in the same no, room? I think I would know. Okay, we grew up together for 18 years. I think I would know. Haven't you wondered, Carlin, why you got coal in your stocking every year, no matter how good you were? I thought it was because I was unredeemable. No, no it's because I'm because Santa. because my stupid brother is Santa Claus. <laughs> There's a movie. There's a spinoff, The Santa Bro. So the Santa Bros. Um, whatever. Sorry, your list. <laughs> my li- Back to my list. I've been checking it twice, and I think it checks out. So if oh, you don't brother. mind, I'd like to go to my list. No, okay, the first thing I noticed was that there's a real longing for grace uh, and just being kind to each other, even in our failures, day mm. in and day out. Yeah. Right? I, I think this is where they're landing. Scrooge doesn't need one insane encounter. Maybe he needs that as a catalyst, but what he really needs is day in, day out, people bearing with his faults without excusing mm. them. Ooh. And that yeah. is a really difficult balance but when we see it done well, it is refreshing. It's beautiful. Hmm. Do you have an example of that in your mind? Oh, so many um, in my own walk. People bearing graciously with me, seeing my faults, but loving me anyway and creating a warm, like safe, accepting environment. I mean, I mean, that is such a central theme of the human heart. We are all desperate for that. Hmm. And And furthermore, it's the... It's what leads to real transformation hmm. in people's hearts. It's actually the feeling that, hey, like, I'm not cast out. I'm not despised. I'm not kicked to the curb. You actually want me here. Hmm. You like me. And and again, this is critical. It doesn't mean that everything I do is amazing or perfect. Mm-hmm. And it is so difficult to get that balance right. It's like on one hand, we all of us are tempted to judge and scrutinize people for their faults because there's a correct intuition that evil is evil and bad things are bad and we shouldn't be okay with people hurting each other or exhibiting Mm -hmm. toxic personality traits like we're against that rightly Mm -hmm. because there's justice in our hearts that wants Mm -hmm. that wants the right thing to be done Mm -hmm. and on the other side we are desperate for people to bear with us in our own feelings because we have so many of them Mm. And you know something? Grace beats imposter syndrome. Yeah. Because imposter syndrome is every, like you were saying, everything that goes right only adds to the pressure of what if I'm living a lie? But if you're, when you mess up, if the people around you see it, acknowledge it, call it out, but also have forgiveness for you and grace for you and still welcome you warmly, then you can't have imposter syndrome because you know that you're fully seen and fully loved. That's huge. And scripture, this here's where I'm wrestling, Carlin, because a lot of people approaching faith from the outside expect it to be a Jacob Marley, hmm. manipulative, benevolent kind of, but kind of judgy, hmm. tin can, corny enterprise. Hmm. And the thing is, on one level, they're completely right. (laughs) Because, you know, you and I are in church. We grew up in church. There's a lot of that. Mm -hmm. There's just a lot of that in the human heart. I don't think it's the unique province of church. Definitely not. But it's so easy to build a religious crust over the heartbeat of what the gospel is supposed to be. So if you're approaching faith, but you've never actually experienced the heart of grace, Mm It's easy to come away with that perspective. But here's the thing that I just, I want people to know. The abuses or excesses or ways that Christians miss the mark does not erase the heart of Jesus in his written words in scripture Hmm. for us. And you'd never know that if you don't read scripture for yourself. Hmm. I mean, I don't want to say never, but it'd be hard to know that if you don't read scripture for yourself because people get it wrong all the time. Mm -hmm. And church culture is corny and whatever. Like some of that is justified. Mm -hmm. And it's justified because Jesus said it was justified. Like 80% of his earthly like words of rebuke. I just made that number up. So Bible scholars don't come after me. But like (laughs) 
He's going after the religious people who he says, you tie burdens on people's back, but you yourself don't lift a finger to help them. Hmm. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. You like to pray on the street corner. You like the feeling of being religious, but you don't actually like God. You don't love God, and you definitely don't like your neighbor. You're walking by people in need of justice and mercy every day. You're ignoring them, but you're scraping together your herbs from your garden and tithing, giving 10% of even these tiny little handfuls of herbs. Right. You've missed the point entirely. They're being exacting and legalistic and nitpicky. Yeah, probably from a place of wanting to do good. That's the hard part. They want to do good. Right. Or, I mean, or they want to prove that they're doing good because deep down they have doubt of whether or not they actually they are yeah yeah that's the temptation to legalism isn't it you're so afraid of getting caught to be a fraud so you gotta bend over backwards you know and work double time to yeah be good be righteous and and make sure everyone knows how you feel about the other people that are missing the mark that's where judgment comes in right Right. And judgment in scripture is different than moral discernment. Hmm. We actually have to uh, be careful and contemplative about what, uh, what is right and what is wrong. Hmm. Scripture is like, we, ha- we have to do that. We have to do it in our hearts, in the, in the world we see around us, in culture. But judgment, as scripture describes it, is about placing yourself in a mode of final condemnation of other people Hmm. so as to elevate yourself and distract from your own internal failings. Dang. Yeah. So, so there's a way we can be humble and gracious and tender towards people and still tell the truth about evil when we see it. But the, by far and away, the human default is self elevation at the expense of others. So as to justify ourselves, that's judgment. Wow. And that's roundly condemned in scripture. Every time it comes up, it's condemned again and again by Jesus. So if you feel morally superior to other people, then you don't understand the gospel. Right. Or at least you've forgotten it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's convicting, Carlin, to me, and it should be. (laughs) It should be. And again, if you haven't read the words of Jesus, you might not get this message from just going to church or just doing some Christian things like because human beings are prone to wander. We're like going to walk away from the, the truth and goodness of a message of grace every time. Um, But that's why Jesus is so like clear in calling it out because he's like, come back man. like lay your burdens down on the cross. Like you don't have to prove yourself to anyone. You are beloved. Like God actually, God actually likes, he doesn't just love you. He likes Mm. you. And he does that in a, in a way that only God really can, where he's also not down with your your evil in your heart or your sin. That's the message of Christianity. Yeah, he's not making any excuses or um, sweeping anything under the rug. He's got it fully out and exposed yeah. to daylight. And with knowing all of your dirty secrets, yeah. I mean, you can't yeah. keep secrets from God. He knows every little crevice of your heart, even yeah. that you don't know. And even all with all of that, he still wants to embrace you. We say these things all the time, but you know what I loved about Spirited? Once you hmm. get past all the chaos and you know all that, all the external stuff, I actually think it ends with just a beautiful portrayal of what it looks like to have love and kindness towards people, even in their flaws. And you see the warmth and acceptance that that brings, and hmm. it's it's beautiful. I found myself longing for that because hmm. I've seen that in the real world, and it's hmm. what we're made for. Yeah. In first John chapter four, it says, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love to us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Doing the rules is not enough to say that you know God. Your heart actually Mm -hmm. has to be one of love and grace for your fellow human beings, your brothers and Mm -hmm. sisters, 
or you're a liar and the truth of God is not in you. Wow. And I love that because even in Spirited, we see that real change starts with and is measured in relationships. Hmm. Right? So when First John says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. First John seems to be saying that real love in our hearts starts with and is measured in our relationships with people made in the image of God around us. And it also clarifies we love because God first unconditionally loved us. And what that's meant to do is overflow in grace for the people around us. But I just think this movie nailed it. It's the relationships that cause the change. And then you see how they live that out in the rest of their days, right? So like yeah. in, the, in the kind of epilogue, we see Christmas present getting his his kids and his family. <laughs> so which funny. They make, they make fun of that because the kids are just like, oh my gosh, so weird. They just like, well, he just gets so frustrated <laughs> with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but which I kind of... It, I like that better than just portraying like a uh, happy moment around the hearth where everybody's happy yeah, and cheery. Right, Cause right. that's way more realistic right. to have your kids like getting on your nerves, but there's a chance for him to Scrooge out <laughs> or to demonstrate the same kind of patience and grace towards his kids that he's actually come to embody. Yeah. And he's like, ah, sorry. Scrooge still slips out from time to time. And he's not being like, so get off my back. He's like, my bad. Sorry. You know what yeah. I mean? There's a difference between those two. So good. <laughs> At the end of the day, if grace is there and loving acceptance, everything mm-hmm. truly is going to be okay. We mm. can love people despite their flaws. Mm. And man, I loved that message because I think it reflects the message of the gospel, plain and simple. So Carlin, spirited. Spirited indeed. How many Christmas trees out of 10 would we give this? <laughs> like 50 Christmas trees. 50. I mean... <sighs> I just, it, it makes me sad that there's so many things in this movie that were questionable. and <laughs> I know. Because overall, I feel like it, it had a great message. Yeah, and, right. And felt very Christmassy and warm and true. I know. All right. Ready for our big Christmas number? <laughs> yeah, bum, okay. Bum, all right. Bum. I, I used to think... That Christmas, that Christmas was, was just, just for, people for people who didn't, who didn't understand, understand the world. world but the world, now the world. I know that Christmas is a thing that everyone can know. Oh. Christmas <laughs> is... <laughs> and be ready for the Cinema Snorkel original, just bro Santa. We should go into business. <laughs> Show business. Uh, all right. good job carl hey faithful friends we will see you for another installment of cinema storical 